Did you smell the bread this morning? Man, fresh bread, fresh baked bread. There's smell, there's just something about it that just, I don't know, like my stomach is like, that might mean that it's a short sermon today. <laughs> you know, it's one of my favorite memories as a child uh, coming home from school on bread baking day. Many of you may have grown up in homes like mine where you didn't buy your bread at the store. You're, it was made at home. And there's nothing like when you walk in the door and the smell of fresh, warm bread hits you in the face. Oh, man, those are my favorite days. Coming home from school, hot loaves of bread on the counter, buns filling the counter, and we would beg our mom, Mom, please, please, can we have some? Please. She's like, no, 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 just... Yes, okay, you can have one, just one. And we would have one, and it would be gone in seconds. And then we would beg, Mom, please, just, just one more. It's so, so good. No, you got to wait. This is for our meal. This is for our sandwiches for tomorrow. Oh, man, we just couldn't handle it. It was so good. That's a warm and comforting kind of thing where, where that fresh bread on the counter is just, it's a, it's a taste memory, it's a smell memory that just makes me feel like home and love. But if that's all that we think of when we think of bread and the smell of bread, then we may be missing the point of the bread itself. Bread is the basic form of sustenance that feeds a hungry world. Bread in various forms. In, in our prayer, we mentioned this morning the many thousands of people around the world who are in places and times of crisis where what comes to the table is in question. Will there be bread? Many of you, like me, have been watching the conditions in Gaza and Palestine with sinking hearts, maybe with anger, frustration, and wondering what you can do about it. The UN Food Program reported that at the end of January, when they were delivering food to the north, that they saw a rapid deterioration of the conditions. And now, it says, we are wish witnessing unprecedented levels of desperation. People who need a crumb of bread to survive. The reports coming out of that part of the world say that starvation and malnutrition in early January was the worst food crisis in the world. And now we're a month further down the road. Bread is not just warm, beautiful smells that make us feel good. Bread is a source of sustenance, life, 
it feeds the bellies of humanity so that they may live. As you go through this week, as I want to try to create a connection here for you, you're going to smell bread at some point this week. Bread makes up a big part of a lot of our lives. As you smell fresh bread or bread in the toaster in the morning, I want you to think of the need for food to be sustained by this something as simple as a loaf of bread and say a prayer for those who have none and who are longing for a crumb. In the Believer's Church commentary on the Gospel of John, Willard Swartley, in this text that we are reading this morning from John chapter 6, about the feeding of the 5,000 and then the conversation that happens. He says in this commentary, as we read this, we we are becoming aware that our lives are dependent on Jesus the Christ. It's not just something that fills us and makes us feel good. No, we are dependent on Christ for life. In the Gospel of John, the writer is teaching us about new things. In John chapter 3, in the story of Nicodemus, he is talking about what it means to have new birth. In John chapter 4, he talks about what the new worship looks like as he talks about how we worship in spirit and in truth. And in John chapter 5, we learn about the new age that is to come, the kingdom of God that is entering into the world and in is here. In John 5.25, Jesus says, a time is coming and is now here when the dead will live. This is the introduction to John chapter 6, in which we find a story of Jesus feeding the masses. Jesus feeds 5,000. The 5,000 number is, it's not not the real number. Read the story again. It says they fed 5,000 men and women and children. There were far more than 5,000 and they were fed with how many loaves? Five loaves and two small fish. It's a beautiful miracle. But it's an outworking of what John is teaching us here of how the kingdom has come and is coming. The power of God has entered into the world and Jesus is the bread of life that feeds all who are hungry. In John chapter 6, verses 31 and 32, there's this conversation that's happening amongst the disciples and about those who have heard him teach and seen him feed this 
this crowd. And Jesus says here, or they say, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. And as it is written, he gave them bread. He, meaning Moses, gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread to eat. As we discussed last week, as we were talking about Jesus, the Lamb of God, one of the things that the writers of the New Testament, particularly the gospel writers, are teaching us and showing us through these writings is that God is retelling the story of the people of Israel through the ministry and the life of Jesus. Things are being reenacted. Let me show you here a little bit how these things happen. There's a parallel in Jesus feeding the 5,000 in John chapter 6 that we find with the book of Exodus chapter 16. Where were, this, were these crowds? It says that they were in a deserted place. Mark chapter 6, in the Mark's telling of the story. It says that there wasn't enough for the people that were gathered there to eat in that place. And it says that when Jesus fed them, when they had this bread of the miracle, everyone had as much as they needed. And at the end, they gathered up the pieces so they would not go to waste. Do those pieces of the story of the feeding of the 5,000 sound familiar? From the story of what you know of the exodus of the people of God who went into the desert in their flight from Egypt, a deserted place, Exodus 16, verse 2. And in the desert that says they grumbled and they cried out to Moses said, why did you bring us here? Did you bring us here to die? There's no food. Where will we get food? It's verse two. There's not enough to eat in verse three. And it says that Moses told them about what, how God would provide for them quail to eat in the evening and bread to eat in the morning. And it says that when the morning dew evaporated, there were these flakes on the ground that they could eat manna, bread from heaven. And in verse 18 of Exodus 16, it says, everyone had as much as they needed. And they gathered it up in verses 16 and 17. The story of, John, of Jesus feeding the 5,000 is a retelling of the miracle of the Exodus. God providing life-sustaining nourishment for his people. And then we have this correction that Jesus gives to the people that are saying, like, we see this parallel. And when our people were in the desert, Moses gave us bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus says, it wasn't Moses. Moses was the prophet. Moses was the leader. Moses was there to point you to what? To what God 
was going to do for you, how God was providing for you. It was the Father who sustained you. And now I am that bread. I am the bread of heaven that sustains you in the desert. It means that as we think about that story of the Exodus, we, lo- we know that if the people had not had that bread from heaven, they would have died there in the desert place. There was no food. There was no other source of nourishment, no other source that would sustain their lives. They would have died. In Jesus Christ, as he teaches us through the scriptures, when he says, I am the bread of life, this is what we carry into the text. Without Jesus, we will die. We need Jesus to be sustained in our lives. John chapter 6, verse 51, Jesus says this, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. What? The bread that I will give you to eat is my flesh. And then he goes on and on and on as he's teaching there in this synagogue and the disciples are there hearing him and he's like, you got to eat my flesh, you got to drink my blood and that's how you're going to live. And the people are going, what is going on? This is weird. We don't get it. What are you talking about? The words in Aramaic that are used here to eat the flesh are, are not like some kind of like take into yourselves, absorb and, and welcome. It. No, it's literally the Aramaic words for eat are munch and chew on. In order to have life, you must munch and chew on my flesh, she's saying. And the people are like, what is going on? How are we supposed to take this? What does this mean? You're the bread and now we need to eat you. N.T. Wright, in his commentary on, God, in, on the Gospel of John, encourages us and he says, This is very real. Jesus is talking in real and concrete terms. Don't just spiritualize it. Because of Jesus, I have spiritual life. Because of Jesus, I have a relationship with God. In Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. Take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. He says, We literally are drawing our sustenance. 
that which gives us life for here and now in this moment, we are drawing that from the presence and person of Christ. It's not something out there as a philosophical concept. It's a real and daily encounter with the person of Christ. In John chapter 6, verses 52 and 53, it says this, The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And so Jesus says to them, Does he answer? We've talked about this before. Jesus answers questions with other questions. Here, Jesus actually gives an answer, but it's an answer that doesn't help. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. That didn't really clear up their confusion, their concern. And in fact, it says that there were disciples that just couldn't take this teaching. And some of them left and stopped walking with Jesus. Because of this teaching, it was that upsetting. In John chapter 6, verse 60, it says, When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? You see, there's something going on here that Jesus is pointing out when he says, I am the bread of life. Take and eat. And he ties it to his flesh and his blood. Now certainly, for the people of Israel, and certainly for us, we go, there's no way that we're talking about literally eating the flesh of a person and drinking the blood of a person. We know that that's just, that's just antithetical to anything that's even remotely Good. It can't be. But you see, there are, there are things that have happened in the scriptures in the Old Testament that point us to what Jesus is getting at. We have already talked about last week, when we talked about Jesus as the Lamb of God, that blood is the source of life. We understand that life is found in the blood. But then there's also a story in 2 Samuel chapter 23. It's a story of King David. And how when, they, he was, when he was in a battle and he was fighting and it was really hot and there was no water, he said at one point, man, I, I, I am so craving that fresh water that is found from the spring that is over there. And when he pointed over there, that's where all the enemies were. He says, man, if we could just have that water, that would be amazing. And in that story, three of his top guys go, okay, you're on. And three of his top men, they infiltrated the enemy lines. They went and they went to those wells. And you can imagine how many people are at those wells in a desert. Somehow they snuck in there and they got water from the well and smuggled it back through the lines and brought it to David and said, here's the water you asked for. 
And David went, I can't drink this water. Are you kidding? He says, drinking this water would be like drinking your blood because I have benefited by your willingness to die. What? Drinking this water from that spring would be like drinking your blood because I am benefiting from your willingness to die. I'm not going to do that. We eat the flesh of Christ and drink the blood of Christ by accepting his gift for us and his willingness to die. It was not clear to the disciples what he meant. It was not clear to the people of Israel what he meant. It was not clear to the teachers of the law, but today as we see the story in its entirety, the death, the sacrifice, we understand that in accepting that offering of his body and his blood, we benefit and in doing so as we accept that, we are partaking in the flesh and the blood of Christ. In the Catholic Church, as they celebrate what we call communion, the word that is usually used in that context is the Eucharist, the belief is that at the altar, as the priest prays over the bread and the wine, it is transformed into the literal flesh and blood of Christ. What this is doing is this taking seriously Jesus' words that we must take in his flesh and his blood so that we might have life. In the Catholic sense of the Eucharist in communion, the Lord's table, there is a very real sense that when you come forward to receive the bread and the wine, you are taking in the life-sustaining presence of Jesus. As part of the Protestant church, the early Anabaptists, from whom we draw our theological and historical uh, basis, they were pushing back on many of the practices of the Catholic church of that time. And they taught, when we gather at the table and eat the bread and drink the wine, it's not, it's not the blood and the, the flesh of Jesus that literally, in a literal sense, in fact, Menno Simons, one of the early theologians of that movement, said, no, it's purely a memorial. It's just remembering what Jesus did. And so when we do it, we come, back, we come together and we remember that Jesus has done this for us. They were pushing back on the sacramental nature of the Eucharist. In part, they were pushing back because in that understanding of a sacramental nature of the Eucharist, only the priests could administer communion and the Lord's table. And part of what we were learning and understanding in that Reformation movement was that all of us are called to the priesthood. We are all priests in the kingdom of God. It can't be limited only to a few select ones. 
And in that, they pushed back and said, no, it's not that. It's just a memorial. And I think maybe theologically in that, it went too far because it was a reaction. Because though we may not believe that it is the, literally the flesh and blood of Jesus that we partake of in communion, we do believe that it is a sign of the kingdom already here. We do believe that the presence of Christ is here at the table with us and invites us to his table by his spirit to receive the regeneration of the body and the mind as we partake in the life of the kingdom of God through his death and resurrection. It is a sign of the kingdom as we are reconciled to one another and reconciled to God as we prepare ourselves to come and be part of the table together, to eat of the bread of life. What does it mean for us to be sustained by Christ in real and concrete terms so that our very lives are dependent on his presence, on his word, on his strength, on his spirit in our lives. Let's look again at Exodus. Repeated in the miracle of feeding the 5,000, where are the people? They're in a desert place. How many of you, in a figurative sense, Find yourself in a desert place today. Wondering where you will receive the strength that you need, the sustenance to face the day in front of you. We too often find ourselves in the desert places. And it is in that place where there is no food that Jesus promises, I am the bread of life. I will sustain you. I will nourish you. Come to me and live. John 6, 33 and 34 say this, for the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. That which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Ignatius, one of the early bishops of the church, says this. He says, renew yourselves in faith, which is the flesh of the Lord. And renew yourselves in love, which is the blood of Christ. As we Come to Christ in faith. We take part. We eat. We munch on the flesh of Christ. As we love and are filled with love, we partake in the blood of Jesus Christ. All who are hungry are invited to come. All are invited to eat of this bread that gives eternal life. He will not turn you away. You are invited. He promises to feed our spiritual hunger today, our need for sustenance in this daily life. 
and he provides life eternal for the future. Jesus, the bread of life. Amen.